0: gone. So it's a good thing I have a big mouth. Um, <laughs> you can hear me. Uh, so yeah, if you're on the outside of your rows, be sure to grab that register and we'd love for everybody to fill that out. There's a place for you to add any prayer requests or praises that you may have. Uh, that does not go out to everybody. That just goes out to our pastors, elders, and their wives. And so we would love to know how we can pray for you and we'd love to celebrate with you as God has met uh, you where you are at. Uh Just wanted to share a quick update. Uh, I know many of you have been praying and are aware of Mark Jones, our elder who has been dealing with COVID and was in the hospital for a period of time. It got a little bit scary. Uh, But he's home and uh, actually had for the first time was able to talk to him on the phone since uh, he went to the hospital yesterday. And uh, he's on oxygen 24-7. But things are slowly but progressively getting better. And so please keep praying for him and his recovery and for uh, Stacy, if you know Mark, Mark just loves to be out and doing stuff. And he's just kind of <laughs> confined and stuck at home. And so just pray for his oxygen uh, levels to c- continue to rise so that he doesn't have to be on oxygen all the time. But praise God that he is doing better. Uh, if you came prepared to give today, you can do so by putting the offering uh, just out in the lobby to the right. You'll see a black box as his offering. You can place it in there. You can also give it online at mygospelcc.org. You'll find out Uh, how you can give online. If you are new here, if you're a guest, you've never been with us, or maybe you're newer but you've never grabbed uh, the free gift that we have, we'd love for you to do that on your way out. You'll see a table just to the left of the doors with the coffee mug on there and uh, some little bit more information about our church. We'd love for you to take that as you head out today. Uh, We want you to be aware, uh, first of all, tonight at 5 o'clock here at the church, There's a kids' volunteer meeting. So if you are currently serving in kids' ministry or you're interested to know more, uh, be sure to join us back here at 5 as Sarah Archer, our kids' director, leads us uh, through that time. Uh, We also uh, have a prayer meeting coming. So with the second service, that's kind of changed things up. We were meeting on the first Sunday of the month uh, right after the service. But due to the second service, we're going to actually start doing these. We don't have a, a set kind of schedule yet, but we are going to meet on Sunday, November 21st at 5 o'clock back here at church, and so we'd love for you to mark your calendars. Like, uh, we need Jesus, amen? That never leaves. Even when things are going beautifully for us, we are always desperate for God, and we are desperate for God as a church, and so we express that primarily through praying. And so we'd love for you to make that a priority, Sunday, November 21st at 5 p.m., I also just wanted to kind of make light of this. Some of you are thinking, man, it's pretty dark in here. Why is it so dark? Well, those actually back two rows of lights are out, as well as many of our uh, plugs throughout the church. Something happened over the weekend. There are no breakers out, but we have lost a lot of our power. So we apologize if you're unable to see your Bibles back there, um, but hopefully that will get taken care of this week. Well, we are in the book of Acts. So let me invite you to open up to Acts chapter Eight. Every weekday morning at around seven forty-five, you will hear the same words spoken all throughout our house, and those words are this: "It's time to go." Any any parents know the pain that often follows with those four words, <laughs> "It's time to go." We got to get to school. We got to get ready. Now, every morning, I find myself praying the same thing, Lord. Please give me patience when somebody is not ready to go. And of course, parents and kids usually have a a different definition of what it means to be ready and prepared. You know what I'm talking about? Like you have this idea, are you ready to go? And the kid says yes. But almost without fail. Most mornings we do the same thing. Are you ready to go? Are you ready? Are you prepared? And so it's time to go and guess what happens? All of a sudden, they've forgotten everything, what it means to be prepared. Now, this is what it means for me. Like, number one, you've gone to the bathroom, you've brushed your teeth, you've eaten breakfast, you've got your bag packed, your lunch is ready, your water water bottle is ready. Certain kids, they need to make sure they had put deodorant on for the day. Uh, they need to make sure they have clean and appropriate clothing. That's what it means to be ready. And literally what it means is like, From 30 seconds from the point I say it's time to go, you are ready. But unfailingly, it always happens. Somebody's got to go to the bathroom when it's time to go. Somebody can't find their shoes. Somebody can't find their coat. Somebody forgets something and we get halfway down the road. It happens all the time. And it never ceases to amaze me. You know, I often wonder how ready are we when it comes to going into the world to proclaim the gospel to those who desperately need to hear the good news. How ready are we? How prepared are we when we encounter someone questioning the things of the Lord? Do we know what to say? Are we prepared to share the truth of Jesus Christ? And this morning, as we continue the book of Acts, we're going to look at three questions to consider in our call to go. So follow with me in Acts chapter 8 as I read starting in verse 26. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Pray with me this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your spirit that we see so clearly here, Lord. You are so active in our lives. You are so present with us. Lord, you are moving in ways that sometimes we don't even know or see. And Lord, this morning I pray that we would take seriously the call for us to go. The call for us to be prepared, to be ready, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you encourage us, would you challenge us, would you prod us as we need, Lord, that we would be motivated, not by just doing something in order to maybe earn something, but Lord, that out of desperation of people who are on their way to hell, God, would you move in our hearts to be prepared to share the good news. And Lord, that we would do so with joy. Lord, we need you this morning. We are just as desperate as we ever have been for you. And Lord, our hope is that where two or more are gathered in your name, you're surely with us. So Lord, bless us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as believers in Christ, we are called to go into all the world and make disciples. That's what every one of us is called to do. and. And really, in Acts, it's all about that taking place. Acts 1 8, the main verse of all of Acts, speaks of the fact that Christians have received the Holy Spirit in order to be his witnesses throughout the world. There is no greater calling than that. And as Christians, it's time for us to go. The question is not if we should go, rather, we should ask ourselves are we ready? to go. Are we prepared? If you are members here, or if you were with us in September, we went through a small series on the church about what the church is to do. And so if you remember, the church glorifies, the church gathers, the church grows, and the church does what? It goes. The church goes. Today we're going to look at three questions. And your first question is this. Are you sensitive to the spirits leading you to go. Are you sensitive to the spirits leading you to go? Look again at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, "Go over and join this chariot." So we we first heard about Philip back in chapter 6 when the apostles appointed 7 men in order to help with the Daily distributions of needs. They were Hellenistic widows who were being neglected. And so Philip was one of those men who was making sure that was all taken care of. And then we heard about him again after Stephen's death and the persecution that had broken out all throughout Jerusalem. Which pressed and pushed many of the believers outside into Samaria. Which is where Philip went. And we saw him back in verse 5 of chapter 8. Preaching the gospel. And now here. Uh, He is front and center stage in today's passage. Now for those of you who get a little freaked out by the Holy Spirit's work, this may be a little bit unsettling as you see what the Spirit's done. But we see God's sovereignty all over the scripture. Here we have apparently Philip sitting around. This very well could be like midday. And as you think, as he's going to the desert, there's not a whole lot of traveling that's going on. But the Holy Spirit meets with him and calls for him. Philip, I need you to go. You're going to go head south. And on his way, he runs into this Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot who happens to be reading in Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit tells him to join the man in the chariot. How many of you at this point would be like, wait a minute here. This is not how my mama told me to do things. (laughs) told me not to talk to strangers and certainly not to get in any car with anybody. But here you have the Spirit moving in Philip telling him, hey, I have a mission for you. This is a wild request for Philip. But here's the thing. Philip was sensitive to the Spirit's work in his life. He wasn't thrown off by what the Spirit was going because he was in tune with God. He had an ongoing relationship with him. Here's a, here's a couple things about the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, first of all, he wasn't from what we know Ethiopia today. Uh, rather, he was from uh, modern day Sudan. So, Sudan is right below Egypt. And so, Ethiopia is not where you, where you think it is in this passage. It's, it's in modern day Sudan. And, and this man was pretty high up, as we see. He was oversaw the treasure of the queen. Of, Ethiopi- of the Ethiopians. And Candace, the name given, is a common name amongst the queens. Whoever was queen was given the name Candace. Sort of like Pharaoh in Egypt. And he was very high up. And notice, he's just coming back from worshiping in Jerusalem. So we can take away from this. He is some kind of religious man. He is some kind of God-fearing man. Nevertheless, he he was... On his way home. And don't you always find this fascinating? Like he's worshiping God in Jerusalem. But yet we see here clearly at this point he did not have a relationship with him. Does that kind of blow your mind sometimes? Of all the people and the, the prophets and the, or the, the, the priests even who are worshiping God or doing some kind of religious activity. But yet he has no real relationship with him. Thus, it's the reason why God sent Philip to meet him. Philip was sensitive to the Spirit's leading. And that begs us to ask the question, are we sensitive to God's Spirit in our life? Are we aware when God is calling us and moving in us to do certain things? First of all, let's just start. What does it mean to go? Like when I say Are you sensitive to the spirits leading you to go? What do I mean by the word go? Certainly, it's not necessarily means that we should leave Elkhart County to go to a country around the world to share the gospel. Maybe. But going doesn't necessarily mean you are leaving and going somewhere different than where you already go all throughout your week. Going is about being the salt and light wherever God has you. Now, and certainly it starts in our homes where we are called to be the salt and light in our homes. If you're married to your spouse, if you have children to your kids, if you are in a neighborhood, you are around people at all. God calls us to be salt and light to these people. It means to go and be ready in season and out of season to share the gospel with those whom we come in contact with. I am one who believes God can lead us like like Philip to speak with others about Christ. But we have to be sensitive to his spirit. What what does that mean exactly? Because this could get a little bit crazy. If we are expecting God to come down in some kind of dream or to come down and visibly and vocally speak with us out loud, do I think God can do that? Maybe. But, like, this is a unique time where God is building His church. And I think primarily the way God speaks through us is through His Word. It's when we have interactions with Him through prayer. It starts with having a relationship with God in the first place. If we want the Spirit to move in our lives, if we want to sense His leading us, we have to have some kind of relationships. It starts with our salvation, right? It starts with the repentance of our sin and placing our faith in Christ for salvation. Have we been convicted of our sin? Have we repented? Have we placed our faith in Christ? If we have not done that, then we should not expect the Lord to lead us at all. But as believers in Christ, are we actively abiding in Christ as Jesus spoke about in John chapter 15 where... He is the vine and we are the branches. Whoever remains in him bears much fruit. Are we meditating on God's word? Is that our regular diet of what we take into our minds and our hearts? A steady diet of being in his word. Are we hiding God's word in his heart? The scriptures say, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Are we seeking the Lord in an active relationship through prayer? Whatever we treasure, we give our time to, don't we? Whatever we value most is what we give our time to. And growing a sensitivity to something means we give time to it. Now, I don't know if you've heard this, but the Braves won the World Series. Can I get a hallelujah this morning? Just kidding, just don't do that. That would be sacrilegious. Uh, But you you guys probably know I'm a big Braves fan, big Atlanta Braves fan. I am not one of those like... Just kind of going on the coattails of something else. I liked them in the 1980s. And if you were around in the 80s, they were on TBS and they were the worst team ever. I mean, they were terrible. And they went from worst to first in the 90s. They won the championship in 95. And here again, they won in 2021. I'm very sensitive to what is going on with the Atlanta Braves. So what does that look like? I'm spending time, as articles come about, I'm I'm keeping up on what's going on with the team. All throughout the year, if there was an injury that happened, I'm... Anxiously waiting to hear, like, what, how significant is this? Is he out for the year? Is he just going to be out temporarily? I know when they're going to be playing games. I have them in my schedule to when the time of the game is coming. I know who's pitching those games. I know who's in the lineup. I'm spending a lot of time investing because I'm sensitive to what's going on with the Braves. But how much more should we be sensitive to the things of the Lord? Like, nothing compares. To my relationship with Jesus Christ. As much joy and as as fun as it was to watch the Braves, there's far more joy that I have in Christ. And I have grown more sensitive to the ways of the Lord by what? By spending time with Him. God, what do you have for me today? Now, it doesn't look like that every day. I don't wake up, you know, prancing and jumping to my Bible ready to go, but I know that I need this. And I know that every time I spend time in God's Word, it does not return void. If we want to be sensitive of, to the Holy Spirit, it starts with spending time in his word. I'm sure many of us would love to have this magical experience with God. We would love to wake up one morning and hear, Ben, this is God. I have a mission for you. Or maybe we wouldn't want that. That would be a little bit crazy, wouldn't it? We, we want a letter, right? How many of you have just like, Lord, would you just send a letter in the mail? Like just send me something. And what God is saying is, I have. I've given you everything you need right here. It's right here in the book. If you're not sensitive and the Spirit's not leading you, it may be because you just don't really spend time with him. What a treasure we have. Are you sensitive to the Spirit's leading you to go? Look at verse 30. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. You see the spirit's leading here, right? Going up to this chariot. He was sensitive to the spirit. He had an ongoing relationship with God. He's familiar with the word of God. Philip was no spiritual slouch here. He wasn't this lazy man sitting around waiting for something to happen and God just chose to pick a random person. Philip had an active relationship with God. And here the eunuch just happens... To be reading the book of Isaiah out loud. Now this would not be uncommon. So this is not uncommon practice back then for people to be reading the scriptures out loud. It's not like, you know, we, we, we don't understand that. You know, we don't go into Starbucks and then hear somebody reading out loud the Bible. This was a common practice. And is there a greater passage that you can think of than Isaiah 53? Can you not see God's sovereignty here of reading about the suffering servants? I mean, I go to this passage over and over again. Uh, you, especially around Good Friday, when we remember the sacrifice of Christ. I mean, God is all over this. And he asks a great question that eunuch does, doesn't he? Like, who is he talking about? Is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And Philip takes the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with the eunuch. This leads us to our next question. Are you prepared to go share the gospel? Are you prepared to go share the good news of Jesus? This really ties into being sensitive to the Spirit, doesn't it? One who is sensitive to the Spirit's leading has an ongoing relationship, is familiar with God's word, and is ready when the opportunity comes. Now let's say today you go home from church and you decide to go for a walk in your neighborhood, and when you know it, you run into someone who's reading his Bible and he's confused and you hear him reading out loud and you have, he just has no idea what he's reading and he asks you, can you make any sense of this? Can you make any sense of what this Bible says and what it says about this suffering servant? Would you be prepared to answer him? Would you know what to say to that person? This is another thing that we see through scripture where God calls us as believers to be prepared, to be ready when God provides the opportunity. Just listen to some of these scriptures uh, that we see in the Bible that speaks of this. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. You see the sensitivity that we need to have because we're in God's word, right? That we would be workers who are able to handle the truth well. Uh, Consider what Colossians 4, 3 through 6 says. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. There's something to consider. Like part of being ready is being prayed up. Like how many times do you just pray for opportunities? Maybe that's where you start, Lord, pray for, uh, Lord, give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity. And I guarantee when you start praying that and God provides an opportunity, he's going to give you the words to say. But here is Paul saying, pray for an open door to declare the mystery of Christ. That's the sharing the gospel. We're sharing about Jesus Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Again, it's speaking to the fact that are you prepared to share the gospel in a way that is clear and understandable? Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to be, how you ought to answer each person. This is all about being prepared and being ready to share the gospel. That we're ready to do so in a gracious way, right. Sometimes I watch some of these street evangelists and you ever just kind of get appalled sometimes by some of them. You're like, you're going to hell. You're going to burn. I'm just not sure that's, that's effective, Nonetheless, we are called to be ready. Now, you may say, Ben, you don't understand, though. I I am just not a very smart person. I I just can't put it into words like you can. Or I'm just not very smart like some of these street evangelists that say, I just can't put the words together very well. I'm kind of, I just just can't do that. I'm beyond help for that. Well, let me just consider what the apostle Paul said to us in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. So Paul didn't come with all these big words to sound really cool and really amazing to earn all the respect of the the heavy thinkers back in his day. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. <laughs> Does that sound like evangelism experiences sometimes? And <laughs> my speech and my message, were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That is good news for us. Amen. You don't have to have the right, perfect words to say the lofty reconciliation, propitiation. You're, some of you might wonder, what in the world do those words mean? You don't need to know. You just need to know the basics of Jesus Christ. Here's Paul saying, I didn't come with lofty speech. I came trembling. But I knew the truth. And I know what the truth could do for you, that it set you free. There is an urgency for God's people to take the good news to the lost. The good news must be shared. Listen to what Romans 10, 14-17 has to say. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? So how are they to believe in Jesus? And how are they to believe in Jesus of whom they have never heard? No one's told us about him. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from what? Hearing. And what do they got to hear? The word of Christ. How can they hear unless someone goes and shares? That's why the church exists. Not to feel good about our salvation and just celebrate until we go to glory. We celebrate, but then we go out into the world to share the hope that we've experienced. Are you prepared to share the good news of Jesus Christ? So what do you say exactly? What do you need to be ready, what do you need to have in order to be ready to share? Now if you've been around church long enough, you've probably heard what I'm about to say several times. But I think it's worth repeating here. And so for the next couple minutes, let's just kind of review. Uh, the f- First of all, I just let me just share the four parts of the gospel. This is not on the screen. But these are the four main parts. So as I'm... If if God provides an opportunity for me to share the gospel, these are the four main things I want to communicate. Number one, God is holy. That just means God is perfect. God is without sin. Sin cannot be in his presence. And that's a main problem for us, right? Because, number one, God is holy. Number two, we are not. We are all born sinners separated from God because of our sin. And because of that, there's no way we can get to God because sin cannot be in his presence. Which means number three is necessary, and that's this, Christ came. Christ died for our sin. He paid the price to make us right. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. There was no other way. Somebody had to take the place for our sin in order for us to be made right. That's why Christ came. He lived a perfect life. He wasn't just a good man. Some people look at Jesus and say, well, he was just a good man. He wasn't God. No, there's no way his sacrifice would have been good enough if he was just a man. Because every man and woman is born with sin. Every one of us. So Christ came and he died on the cross for our sin. And he rose again, defeating death. Which makes number four, then our response, repent and believe. Repent and believe. Those are the four main points of the gospel that we want people to understand. God is holy. If we don't understand God's holiness, then we don't understand our sinfulness. And when we understand our sinfulness in the light of God's holiness, we realize that we are without hope. That's why Jesus came. And so our response into Jesus' coming is to repent of our sin, to turn away from it, to confess it, and to believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Here's some scriptures then that I'll lead to you. And I have these on the screen for you. Uh, And this is where we start. First of all, Romans 3.23 says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this speaks to number one and two, doesn't it? Like the glory of God is so great that our sin separates us from him. That's a big problem for us. But there's good news. Romans 6.23 says this. For the wages of sin is death. So we look at the world, is there death today? There's death all around us, isn't there? We've experienced a lot of it the last couple of years. Death is the cost of sin. Why do we suffer from disease? Why is cancer around? Why is COVID here? It's because we live in a fallen world. It's because of the cost of our sin. And that doesn't mean if we die from those things, it's a direct like, hey, you're being punished because you're a loser and so you're going to die from these things. Rather, it's just what we have to deal with from here on out. We shouldn't be surprised by that. They're suffering because of sickness, because of our sin. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're not left without hope. Jesus Christ came and paid the price for our sins. And he did it this way, Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us just celebrated this morning, isn't it? He showed his love that while we were still actively pursuing the things of this world, rejecting Jesus, Christ died for us. Is that good news this morning for you? So how do we get this salvation? Where does it come from? How do we understand a little bit more? Ephesians 2.8.9 says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Now this is one where a lot of people get hung up on. And this is where you can kind of understand, is somebody ready potentially to receive the gospel? Have you come across somebody who's so broken how how messed up they are? Here's good news. Listen, it's not by works. We can't be good enough in order to earn God's favor. We can't like put together a string of positive days in order for God to receive us. It's not a matter of weighing how many good days we have versus how many bad days we have. If we do that, we're hopeless. And if we think that we're coming out on top, it's because we're blind to our sin. God's salvation is a gift for us. And it's through faith, by grace, that we find salvation. So we got to trust that what God said he did, he did on our behalf. And then I point people back to Romans 10. Verses 9 and 10, it says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's faith. Believing that God raised Jesus from the the dead, which means he died in the first place, you will be saved. For it's with the heart one believes and is justified, and it's with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So these are two things. It's something we speak out loud, but it's also something that has to be in here. Because it's easy to speak the words, oh yeah, I'll take Jesus, no hell, yeah, great. It's going to make me prosper, make my job be better? I'll take that. And often what happens for people is that it doesn't happen in here. Their heart isn't convicted of their sin. They just want to get out of their problem. Kind of like kids, like I'm sorry. What are they saying often when they say I'm sorry for doing something? Usually they're sorry for the consequence. We need to... Confession of our sin means that we acknowledge before God that we have sinned against Almighty God and we are worthy to be struck down. The very fact that we have breath this morning is an absolute gift from God today. Do you know how to share the gospel? Are you prepared to share the good news? Now here's the important thing to understand when it comes to sharing the gospel In my opinion, the most effective ways of evangelism are not somebody who has crafted a good thing to say. That may read into it, but the most effective forms of evangelism are just the genuineness of a person sharing what Christ has done for them. I think one of the shortest, sweetest testimonies in the Bible was by one of the blind men that Jesus healed. And his testimony was this, I I, I once was blind, but now I see. I see. Like, has God done a work in your life? Don't get so caught up in even some of the things I shared you. Now, the nuts and bolts of the fact that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, that Christ came, that that God is holy and we are sinful, are important elements that we must include in it. But let it come from an overflow of what you've experienced. If you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, if you're able to see that, man, you know what, I struggled so much in my sin. I love those things, but you know what, it was so empty. And I didn't realize how empty it was until Jesus opened my eyes. And now I have so much more joy when my life isn't consumed by me. Isn't that a great testimony? When it comes and overflows out of your heart versus trying to craft the perfect thing. Maybe you don't know how to share the gospel because you don't really have a story. Because God really hasn't transformed you. And if that's you this morning, let me encourage you to take some time to seek the Lord. Do you have a story? And if you do have a story, are you ready? I do encourage you to practice with somebody. Think through what scriptures would you lead it through. But make sure you intertwine your own story in there so that they can get a tangible understanding of what Christ can do in a life. I used to be a person who just lived in depression. Not like... To The point where I was suicidal or anything like that, but just a dark, this is like just like a genuinely dark thing. If it was partly sunny outside, my thing was it was partly cloudy <laughs> or probably mostly cloudy, is what I would say. Just kind of that e or. And then like the gospel came to alive in me, and all of a sudden I realized, man, life is not about me, and life is so depressing when we make it about ourselves, isn't it? It's so depressing, and everybody gets in the way of it. You don't. Overestimate the power of your story and how God has transformed you. And you don't have to be some drug addict who was rescued out of that. Being saved out of self righteousness is a great testimony. If God has rescued you, you have a miracle story to share. Amen? Are you prepared to share the gospel? That leads us to the last thing. Here's the last question. Are you ready to keep going? Are you ready to keep going? Look at verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So we don't know exactly what Philip said to the man, do we? We don't really see exactly what he said to him. We don't know his response. All we know is that the outcome of that conversation led the eunuch to repent of his sins and be baptized. So genuine salvation took place here. But notice there, do you see something missing in that passage? Do you have a verse 37 in your Bible? Most of you probably do not have verse 37. Here's what verse 37 says if you have a version that does, and the ESV does not. It says this, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So this is in light of being baptized. Well, if you believe Jesus uh, with all your heart, then you may be baptized. And then he said, I believe. So somebody took the initiative to say, well, we don't really know what happened. So I'm going to insert this so that we know that the man did respond in faith. Well, there's not enough evidence in scripture. There's not enough early manuscripts that have that verse. So that's why that verse is out. We don't have a response from the eunuch. But we can trust the spirit moving here, that this man genuinely repented of his sin and was baptized in obedience to that, what Christ has called us to do. And what does it mean for Philip to be carried away? (laughs) Certainly God could do anything. He could have just kind of floated off or disappeared. We don't know. But genuinely what what we do know and understand is that God had more work for Philip to do. And it was time for him to move on to the next thing. Again, we see the Holy Spirit moving all throughout here. His sovereignty is here. And don't we see God's deep care care here for this Ethiopian eunuch? He didn't send Philip to go preach to the masses. He didn't say, hey, Philip, I got a tent set up. There's going to be thousands of people there. And they're going to be ready to share the gospel. It's one person. God cares for you even as an individual. And who knows what happened in light of this. Who knows what happened in light of this eunuch coming to Christ. Now notice he is very high up in the kingdom where he's coming from. And so he has all this influence over people. He's got servants under him. He's got the queen over him. And here he's taking the gospel outside of Jerusalem in Samaria toward the end of the earth. God is on the move here. God is taking the gospel all throughout here. And notice what Philip does. Does he decide to chill out? Does he go live on the seashore and collect seashells? Because he just did this amazing thing. I'm good. I put my work in and now it's time for me to enjoy this life. I get to do what I want to do now. I served you. Now it's time for me to do what I want to do. Is that what Philip did? No. What does he go do? Look, verse 40. But Philip found himself in Azotus and as he passed through, he preached the gospel. He kept going. He kept pursuing what God had called him to do. He didn't give up. The work wasn't finished. He wasn't just celebrating the victories. He celebrated the victories, but it was time for him to keep going. As long as God has given given us breath, we are called to continually keep going. Seven years ago, Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana, which was Harvest Bible Chapel at the time, offered me the adult ministries pastor, Position, now, if I'm honest with you, that was my dream job. I got to oversee small groups, which I, I so love and desperately see the need for us to know others and to be known. I thought I had landed. I'm good to go. I'm going to coast. I'm going to live out my days here. Love Granger. Uh, love having Costco, Costco and Chick-fil-A five minutes away. Please be praying for Chick-fil-A, would you? Uh, getting sidetracked here. I thought I had arrived. Why would I want to go anywhere else? And Nikki and I were making long-term plans. We had a great house. This, we're like, this is going to serve us for years to come. We're going to be able to fit lots of grandkids in here. And, and kids, if they move away and come visit, they can stay with us. Like, we were set up. And I was good. But the Lord started stirring in my heart. If you were at Gospel City any length of time, you know that first they planted uh, before us, it was St. Joe, Michigan. And I remember being so intrigued by this thought. There were people coming from St. Joe area to all the way to Gospel City, a 35, 40-minute drive. And they were coming to be fed. And there was a burden that we would plant a church in their neighborhood where they could invite their people who they lived around to come to their church. And, and so I actually started, like, asking questions and maybe thinking about, like, could this be us? But it really wasn't the right time. Uh, our twins were either just born or Nikki was pregnant with the twins. I'm like, that's going to be chaos to try to plant a church when they're little. And so we just kind of pushed it aside. But then Elkhart County came into the picture. And I remember, how many of you were at that first meeting? A couple of you? The first meeting they had. I was there just really excited about it. Uh, Many of you driving 35, 40 minutes just like St. Joe to Granger to that church. And I was burdened too. I believe in a local church where people can really reach out to their community through their church and not just like uh, on their own. And so was following the whole process and it was through that that God really began to move in my heart. And I became like had a conviction that this is what God had for me. And so I left my dream job to come plant a church in Elkhart County because I knew that it wasn't time for me to pack it up. That I always wanted to have my, I'm ready to go in my hands. Brothers and sisters in Christ, are you ready to keep going? The work is not done until God takes you home. We are to keep pressing And pressing for the glory of God. Not just because of something we can do, but because you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, don't you want others to come alongside and see the beauty of Christ? So let me lead you with these action steps. Usually we do them after prayer, but we're going to do them right now because I think it just fits in. So here's some, some ways to put into practice what we've talked about. Let me encourage you just to memorize 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. You want to be used by God? Be a student of his word. Because when we start hiding God's word in our heart, again, we have to be careful that we're not just checking the list off. Checking it off. I memorized, I read. But that we realize, God, I need you. I so easily go astray. Bring me back to center. That's what I open up God's word for, to bring me back to him. Lord, I need you. I'm getting sidetracked by this other stuff. I need you. You're the one that satisfies. And I encourage you also to take some time just to read through 2 Timothy chapter 2. That whole chapter is really good, just about a workman for Christ, of giving your best to him. It's about being a good soldier of Jesus. The third thing, practice sharing the gospel. So, what would you say? Maybe you need to grab a Bible that you always have with you regularly. And I would start in Romans 3:23. That's the only one you would need to know. Romans 3:23. Write Romans 6:23. Go to Romans 6:23. Whatever the next verse I gave you, Romans 5:8. Write that one. From Romans 5:8, write Ephesians 2:8-9. So after you read Romans 5:8, you go to Ephesians 2.8.9. 9 After Ephesians 2:8-9. Right at there, right, Romans 10, 9 and 10. So then you jump to those verses just to help you. Again, this is not a magical formula. This is just to help you understand what are the basics, what are the main things I need to know. Maybe it would serve us to do like an evangelism class here, like a three or four week night thing or something. I don't know. If that would, please let me know. I'd love to talk and maybe consider that. But be prepared. Why? Because Jesus has called us to. Because we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And we want others to taste and see that the Lord is good. And then pray for opportunities. Pray that God would open a door for you. Pray now. Even if you're not ready. (laughs) Even if you're not ready. Lord, Lord, make me ready. But Lord, give me opportunities. And I trust that when you give me the opportunities, you'll make me ready. God is faithful, amen. If he opens the door, if he tees it up for you, like he did Philip, he's going to give you the words to say, but do your best now to be prepared, whether in season or out of season let's be a church. It's time to go. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. Thank you for the fact that you have not left us on our own, Lord. What great news, Lord. What great news. You've given us your spirit, Lord. And you lead, guide, and direct us. But for so many of us, Lord, we're not sensitive because we haven't spent time with you. And Lord, for some of us, maybe this is the first time in weeks Or maybe even in the last week that you've opened up your Bible and it's only because the pastor said so. Oh Lord, would you bring a conviction not to make it a checklist to feel good. But Lord, just because there's so much life found in your word. No name is greater than the name of Jesus. God, would you give us a conviction to be ready to go out of abundance of joy in our hearts for what you've done for us. God, we are undeserving of grace this morning. We are undeserving of salvation. It's only by your grace that we've been saved. So, Lord, guard our hearts from being legalistic about these things. Rather, let the joy of the Lord overflow. Lord, your word says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, Lord, the more joy we find in you, the more likely we're going to go out and share. So, God, fill us with the joy of of who you are. No greater name under heaven. No other name by which we are saved. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand and let's sing this in response. As we sing, a oh, praise the name again. Let's sing this out this morning, but also in recognition that as we go out this week, we want to continue to praise the name of the Lord as we go out, as we sing as we live a life um, for him.